Hi, everyone. It's your podcast host, Jim Andrews, here with a reminder that the Ticket Manager Partner Summit is back. We'll be getting together in person on October 17th this year at the Times Center in New York City. This is a free, invitation-only event where hundreds of business leaders across the world's most influential brands in sports, sponsorship, live events, and ticketing gather to make great connections and share valuable information. Approved attendees enjoy exclusive networking events, insightful panels, and exciting celebrity speakers, all for free. Are you interested in attending? Just go to ticketmanager.com for details on how to apply. Welcome to Ticket Manager's All Access Interview Series, engaging leaders from across the sports marketing spectrum to identify and explore critical issues in the business of sports, entertainment, sponsorship, activation, ticketing, hospitality, and even more. I'm your host, Jim Andrews. Joining me on this episode to discuss the current marketplace for premium seating and some of the unique aspects of premium sales is Michelle Kajiwara, Senior Vice President of Premium Seating Sales for AEG and the Staples Center. Welcome, Michelle. Thanks for joining us. You bet. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. So coming out of all that we've been through in, in, in 2020, you know, I'd love for you to discuss just how the relationship between a venue like Staples Center and your premium seat owners has, has changed in terms of contracts, communications, you know, you can give us a little bit of insight into, into what you're hearing from, from those types of clients. Sure. It's changed a lot. I don't think anybody was ready for a pandemic. We all have contracts that include a force majeure and are meant to protect the company and the asset. Otherwise, why would you have a contract? So largely, parts of these contracts have not been at the forefront of what somebody's looking at when they're signing on. It's for LeBron or it's for the building or for the client experience or because they're just a huge fan. So just like when you rent a car, you just kind of quickly go through all the pages. Now that these uh, abatements clauses and force majeures are at the forefront of what is on everybody's mind. It's something that we have had to focus on as a company. And I think it's been great in that it's allowed us to have some conversations about adjustments that we might not have made had it not been for this pandemic. And it's allowing us to future-proof a little bit better and doing it in a meaningful way where we are listening to our our members, where we are um, more sensitive to what their needs are and how we need to accommodate them. So I think we've reached a meet in the middle. And that's just come after a lot of dialogue with our members, a lot of dialogue internally. And we've been able to maintain a contract that is still protecting the business and the company, but also have been able to make some provisions and some make goods around giving back to the client and making sure that they feel protected and appreciated and rewarded for being, you know, part of our our, our ecosystem for, for a long time because we do only multi-year contracts. You said you were making some some adjustments. Can you can you talk about what what some of those might look like? 
Sure. We have for our premier seats, certain percentages assigned to all of our teams. So the anchor anchor tenants that are in our building. And we've been able to redistribute those percentages uh, to be more beneficial to our members. For our suites, we've got, you know, kind of a set number of events that we're able to deliver and that we guarantee. So on that side, we've been able to luckily over deliver every year, but that of course becomes an expectation now. So less on the suite side, more on the premier suite side where some of those allocated percentages were not too favorable to our members. And so we've been able to change those up. We are also including language that just says, if there is no season, you get a 100% refund. And that wasn't something that we had called out very specifically before. So just creating some ease around what is now a reality. We never thought that there would be a reality where we would cancel an entire season or not have a full capacity for an entire season. But those are the grim realities of what this pandemic has created. So we have to make some adjustments accordingly. We've had lockouts in the past and we're able to do some make goods around that, but this is different. And this is having a lot longer of of an impact because it's going to be the top question now for anybody entering a long-term agreement is how am I protected? And so we have to be prepared to have not just talking points, but a contract that can kind of back us on on being able to create a sustainable future for everybody. There are place, probably places that where we thought we couldn't be flexible. And we, we learned that not only do we can we be, but we have to be, uh, as, as you just pointed out. We're having conversations with members that are having very specific challenges and are having really unique dialogue and we're engaged and we're listening. And while we still have our business hat on, sometimes we have to put that to the side and put our relationship hat on and know that um, everybody's dealing with this very differently. And so you can't make any assumptions going into that conversation around how that's being experienced by someone on the other end of the Zoom or the phone. And so while we can't always make unique concessions, we are having unique conversations and we are trying to do what we can if there can be a small tweak or a small gesture or something um, just to kind of meet people where they are. Uh, We are continuing to engage in that way as much as we possibly can without sweeping distinctive and different policy changes. That that brings up something else that you and I talked about earlier, which was, you know, that that relationship building, which is, you know, always has been important and and maybe even more so now, is all happening virtually. Do you think that that type of of, of relationship management will will continue and and could it have a positive impact uh, on sales that we kind of didn't anticipate pre-pandemic? Absolutely. I think... Not I think, I do know that we have taken this time as a staff to get really polished at doing this new thing really well. So I credit our team with being able to pivot very quickly to a virtual dialogue and being able to show up in these um, presentations and know that all these other smaller cues are now really big indicators 
of how you are as a professional showing up in the way that you are dressed, what your background looks like, that your screen and your Wi-Fi and your sound and everything else is already premeditated to be working and functional and that you have the least amount of glitches in this kind of an environment. And so we have practiced a lot with presenting, screen sharing, um, our decks and the way that we are able to create brevity around these conversations so that you are mindful of time. Everything is so concisely backed into a Zoom scheduled call now that we've become very efficient at packing our days. And so we have to be great at setting an agenda, getting through these time slots. We just did something very recently called um, news briefings, and we paired two people on our team together to aggregate all of the sports and global information from the past week, regurgitate it to our team in an impactful way, and do that in a 15-minute time slot. And what we were able to get back out of that was just incredible. These guys came in like they were newscasters that have been in front of a camera for years. And in that way, selfishly, I thought it was great because I didn't have to read every single publication and news briefing that I get sent. And then it was also a way for our team to just collaborate internally and be able to present and sharpen their skills. So I do think we're going to be great coming out of this. That's just one part of it. The efficiencies around not driving around Los Angeles an hour and a half in traffic and not being able to do any meaningful work in that time to go then to an appointment and have that person not show up or say, oh, I'm running late or and you're now sitting in a lobby for half an hour to get 15 minutes in front of somebody. I I believe that our virtual capacity to mitigate that amount of time on the road and those you know, hours that you're killing kind of just in in traffic and in in lobbies is going to maximize our time in the office and maximize our time being able to do something that is meaningful that can advance our business. It's also, I hope, going to be an environmental impact where, again, going back to how much time we spend in our cars, sitting in traffic during rush hour and identifying just where people's strengths are. If you're great in the morning, like I am, and waking up fresh and having all of your brain cells firing, that's when we should be doing our most meaningful work, not sitting in our car, getting ready for, and then commuting to the office. If we can wake up, get a great sleep, which is something else that is super important to me, and and be able to come at the job recharged, ready to go, and not sitting in traffic that could reduce our carbon imprint. Because when you are ready to come to the office, maybe after getting through a morning's, you know, kind of rush, not traffic, but productive work, then you can go to the office. And we are so skewed towards working nights because of the events and because of the things that come up during the day, members and appointments and things that happen just sort of towards the end of the day, that's generally how our business is skewed. And so being able to put in sort of the hours at the end instead of in the in the morning, I think is going to be meaningful. And some people are just great from home. You mentioned earlier, I want to go back to your your anchor tenants at, at, at the Staples Center, um, because I, you and your, your team there are in an interesting position in that you sell independently from those teams, uh, the teams that play in your venue. That's a very different dynamic than a lot of other arenas and stadiums. 
Can you talk a little bit about how that impacts your sales efforts and, and what type of relationships you need to form with, with those teams so that you can access the benefits and the inventory that, uh, that you, know, you otherwise uh, wouldn't, wouldn't have just automatically? For sure. And that is a great point because I don't know another building that has premium that functions quite like us. Specifically, because we have two professional MBA teams. I, I mean, that's just in and of itself very unique. So we have the Lakers, the Clippers, the Kings, and the Sparks all as anchor tenants, layered on top with promoters and all the special events and award shows and private sort of uh, events that we that we get through. So uh, we're very fortunate in that we can do upwards of 200, 250 events annually. Again, that's sort of the expectation now from our members is that you're able to bring in some of these top quality concerts, performers, teams even. And now with the Lakers winning the championship and bringing that back to the building, we're certainly excited for that. But it is very unique in that um, we have to have independent relationships with all of these teams to drive additional benefits for our members. For as long as I can remember, we've been very self-sufficient and we've had to operate that way because we don't have expectations around what we're going to be able to get additionally from the teams. It's a handicap in some ways because we don't have some of the assets and team appearances and court access and, and these other sort of highlights that somebody who's a season ticket member gets, even though conceptually this is a season ticket, you're getting a full season and you're actually getting the playoffs included for all of our teams at no additional cost. So lots of benefits with premium, but we try to set ourselves apart a little bit because it is a separate investment where you are getting sort of all of the building assets in one ticket. So very unique in that, but we have to create relationships very independently with the Lakers, the Clippers, the Kings, because, you know, everybody, the teams are all selling their own assets as well. And, you know, we're selling ours. So the resources that we all have are meant to focus on what we specifically need to accomplish. However, the larger goal of benefiting and selling through all the inventory is certainly top of mind for everybody, but we have to kind of take a second fiddle to what their priorities are. Uh, and we know that. And so we have to work within that system and create the best outcomes as we possibly can. Speaking of that, that, that dynamic is going to change relatively soon because the Clippers are going to open up their own, their own venue and, 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 and the dynamic in LA and the market has already changed with, with the new SoFi stadium coming online. How does that, you know, the, the, having these newer kids on the block, so to speak. How, do, how does that impact uh, you know, the way you're looking at, at your relationship with, with your, uh, your premium seat owners? Yeah, I look around and LA is a very crowded marketplace now. We have two of everything, but that wouldn't happen if we didn't have the market share to be able to sustain that kind of development and production. And so I look at it as Again, it's it's healthy competition because it keeps us sharp. It keeps us sort of always looking around and being mindful of the fact that there are a lot of options in market. Uh, L.A. competes not just with all of these other teams and facilities, but also with the weather 
and the music venues and all of the other things that entertainment and Hollywood and movies. And there's so much here that we can't look at that as a negative. I believe it is something that's positive for our landscape. And honestly, if somebody wants Dodgers, who's been our local competitor for a very long time, right? But in a good way, if you want baseball, I can't compete with that. I look at all of this as dating. We can try to pretend to give you what you want, but at the end of the day, if what you want is baseball or football or soccer or something else, I'm not going to be able to deliver that to you. And so I just relinquish the fact that you're better off getting that and I'll help introduce you to somebody over there if that's where your interests are. And if we do a good enough job of understanding what somebody's needs are, and if we do a good enough job at just establishing a relationship, you're going to want to do what's in the best interest for that client or for that prospect. And in that way, there's more than enough to go around. And I do feel like Staples Center is uniquely positioned in that we have a very diverse bevy of offerings. So if you want a entertainment package, I don't think you look much further than Staples Center. And being the incumbent in market, it is sort of ours to lose. The Clippers is going to impact us the most. Obviously, having an anchor tenant leave your building is something that Um, is very public. And so again, going back to the original conversation or question that you had is we've had to make some contractual changes to be able to address the Clippers leaving specifically. And so uh, we've been able to look at at, at that and we want to be as transparent as possible so that nobody feels like we are trying to secretly tiptoe up to this and then surprise you're still under contract or you sign something that you didn't realize. Everybody knows it. So let's have some meaningful dialogue about what that means for you and how we're going to uh, offset that. Uh, Michelle, thank you so much. You've shared you know so many great ideas and and you know there obviously there are a lot of a lot of moving pieces to uh, what's what's happened to everybody in 2020 and and other things. And it sounds like uh, you've got a really great approach to to keeping a handle on on all of that. And just appreciate you sharing some of that uh, with 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 me and and with with our audience. So thanks again. Yeah, you bet. Thanks for having me. It's been a wild ride, but I think if you don't come away with some great nuggets of wisdom and learning and opportunity for just developing more self-awareness as a uh, department, as an industry, as a brand, uh, then you're kind of doing yourself a disservice with this time. So uh, we're trying to look at it in the most positive light that we possibly can. And it's uh, not to say that it isn't tough, but I think through challenges, you find great opportunity for, for growth and for grit. So we're glad for it. Awesome. I think that's the, the perfect note to, uh, to end it on. So thank you, Michelle. And on behalf of everyone at Ticket Manager, thanks to all of you for watching. And please join us again for the next episode of the All Access Interview Series.